about shortly. And I want to look at what does it mean for us to be spiritually healthy, each one of us. And as each of us come into spiritual health, the church as a whole comes into health. And God gave me a picture for this during the holidays. We went to Babylon's Torun. I don't know who's been there recently. It's a beautiful place. Last time I was there was 13 years ago and it looked quite dry and arid. But now it's wonderful. They've got these gardens, these forests. We went for a walk down past the river. And it was just this forest of trees and shade and nature and peace. And it was just wonderful. And after we went walking past the forest, we went down this sort of um, scenic snake tunnel um, with these cobblestones of the snake chasing after a mouse, which I found quite traumatic. But along the way, there were all these bonsai trees, these little miniature trees along this uh, tunnel. And it's beautiful. It's a whole lot of trees that look something of what they would be when they grow up. And as I was looking at each bonsai tree, I was thinking, these trees could grow into something so much more. They could grow into a major tree one day. As long as they're tied down, as long as they're bound, they will never grow into the potential that God has for them. And I wonder if some of these little bonsai trees sit and look at the big other trees and people walking through their shade and they think, you know, maybe one day, maybe one day I will grow into being that kind of tree where people walk under my shade or people eat my fruit. But as long as they're bound and tied down, it won't be the case for them. And God, I feel, was saying, this is a picture for us as a church. Maybe some of us are waiting for that day to grow into maturity, to become this tree that can be used for Him. But so much of the enemy's plans have come and tied us down and stopped our growth. And I'm saying today that ends. Today we will begin to grow into what God has for us. And I really am feeling Isaiah 61 verse 3, we would be like this. We would be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. And Ezekiel also talks about these types of fruit trees, fruit trees of all kinds, will grow on both banks of the river. Evergreen, their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because water from the sanctuary flows to them. And their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And I love that picture that God has for us, that we would be used powerfully in this kingdom for bringing fruit, for bringing healing. And I feel that this year is going to be a breakthrough year for each one of us. This is the year for us to break through into more. This is the year for us to decide, I want more of God. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. We're going to grow. We're going to mature. Our dreams are going to become reality. We're not going to live anymore in one day. You know, one day, that phrase, it's really dangerous. One day, I might sing on a worship team. One day, I'll evangelize to my colleagues. One day, I'll go on an outreach or lead a home group. One day, I'll run into everything that God has for me. And I'm saying, why not today? Or, more realistically, why not this year at least? But let's no longer live in that one-day mentality of one day I'll do this. And 40 years' time, look back and say, why don't I never walk into what God has for us? And let us just close our eyes for a second. And just remember and think of those dreams that God's put on your heart. Think of those desires. Think of those things that you want to achieve. And then think of why haven't you achieved it? What's holding you back? How can God use you powerfully this year? Because He wants to do so and He wants to beat you into me. We can open our eyes. Words and lies come like those little tendrils and those little wires that stop a tree coming into growth. Lies such as, I'm not qualified. I don't have time. How can God use me? And today He wants to come break those lies so we can grow into more. That we have an enemy that doesn't want us to grow. 
and he will do whatever it takes to hold us back. And often it's subtle. Normally at the end of the year, now your holidays look, but in December I start to count down to January. I've got so many days left of holiday. January 1st is coming. Beyond that, I've got so many days left. It's a completely unhealthy thing to do. But I find there's a measure of, okay, how much holiday do I have left? And this year, I woke up January 1st, and I was excited. I was like, bring it to God. Like, I don't need to wait for more holiday. I'm expecting for what you are going to do. And I was full of faith for this word of other things he wants to do in each one of us. Two weeks later, after traveling and difficult clients and things being hard at work, I was like, Lord, please bring December. Like, <laughs> I'm done with this year already. I need a break. I need a holiday. I even started thinking, was this word even from you, God? You actually want me to step into more because life feels really hard at the moment. And that is the lie of the enemy coming and wanting to restrict and limit you and hold you back from what he wants you to run into. Together with God, we can break those bonds. We can be fruitful. And through his son, Jesus, John 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. My hope for every one of us this year is we will bear so much fruit, we won't even know what to do with it. The doors will be flooded with people coming through because we've got so much fruit to share with others. And we're all walking into the maximum God has for us. We all want to be part of the vibe, but do we want to be part of the vine? Do we want to be connected to Jesus? Be part of the vine, not part of the vibe. Jesus says before that, my father is the garden. Finding God's love is the key to growing and to being healthy. Have you found God's love? Are you staying in God's love? How they look for me, I grew up in a family that wasn't saved. We went to church once a year, we went to the Anarchy Church. We go there for Christmas. I just remember I got given my little one toy to take along with me to keep me busy while the parents listened. And something was born in me in that experience that I was like, this is my desire to go to church. I found God here. And when I was about 15, I was about 10 minutes from my house, walked as far as to get there. I used to go on my own to church. Uh, the average age in that church was about 78. So it was me and the grannies and the grandpas and Every time I'd sit, I'd just have this experience of God that was just life-changing every Sunday. And every Sunday I'd walk home and I'd hear His voice audibly. I'd tell Him about my week and I'd pray to Him and we'd talk together. And I'd get home filled with God and just feeling, yeah, my life is just so full of Him. And those were good times. But then there were hard times too. I remember my parents, they weren't saved. They tried their best, but they had their flaws. And I'll be upstairs with uh, my brother and sister and we'll close the door and put pillows on our ears so we wouldn't hear my parents screaming at each other and fighting. And I remember saying to my brother and sister, it's going to be okay, as they were crying. And I felt God's peace and his joy even in those moments, because God was with me. And our starting point is finding God's love. I pray that each one of you would experience that. Felt me walking through that garden and that forest. It was like being in the garden um, with Adam and Eve when they just walked with God. And it was just those amazing experiences with him. And so finding God's love is our starting point. The disciples said to Jesus, what are the two commandments? So what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God, all your heart, mind, and strength. And then he says, love one another as you love yourself. I think the loving oneself part comes quite easy. If we all get that right pretty well. It's loving others as we love ourselves. And that's the key to spiritual growth and spiritual health. As much as I loved being in that church, it wasn't the fullness of church for me. I didn't have fellowship, I didn't have people around me encouraging me, walking with me. And so I'm looking, before we look at how does the church come to help, what is the church? And I think some of us maybe have different understandings of what church is. And so I'm looking at the foundations of what is church to you? What does it mean? 
wants to be rooted well in our belief system. We put up that picture of the potted plant. This for me is just an example of sometimes how our belief system can look. Maybe it's limited in its growth. Maybe the roots can only grow so far. We get confused and tangled, and it limits how far we can grow in Jesus because our understanding of church, our understanding of God, is actually being so limited by various factors. And the next picture, this is my picture for us today, that we would grow into this type of tree, that there would be no limit to our love and our understanding and the root system for what God wants to do with us, and with that comes amazing growth and amazing fruitfulness. And so I asked this morning, what is church? It's not a rhetorical question. If someone were to come up to you in the street and were to say to you, please tell me, to you in one sentence, what is church? What would you say to me? Any ideas? What you all thought of it? <laughs> Family. There's no wrong answer here. Place to glorify God. Place to glorify God. Body of Christ. Body of Christ. Manifold wisdom of God. Amazing. I love those answers. For me, church is all those things. And it's also an expression of God's love for us and for one another. Church is something we do together. We don't do it on our own. We went to Babylon Story and it wasn't we're going to that one tree and we're going to squeeze under the shade of this one tree and that's our experience of it. We don't come to church just for listening to Luke's teaching, as amazing it is. We come together, sorry, to be together in it. And we cannot do it on our own. As much as the enemy says, isolate yourself. You can do this by yourself. We can't. It would be ridiculous. Imagine what it would be like if you came to church every Sunday and it was just you. Well, you don't have to imagine. I've got a video for us. So you guys can play that. This is an old ad for a Just Gen camp. And this is what it would look like to go to church all by yourself. Church. Yeah, I start from that. Where is everyone? Ten past nine. Nobody here. Let's get started. I'm gonna get a little more guitar in my ears, I don't have any guitar. Alright, Ben, let's go for it then. Come on, cheers. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be I'd like to suggest to you that it's not your aptitude, but your attitude that determines your altitude. You've got to position yourself to take possession of your portion. Sure, that's good. Right? Let's go. Here's good. You've got to see the cross before you can cross the sea. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to tell you one thing tonight. God has got your number. On speed dial. And it's good stuff. Right? Good, good stuff. If we can get the worship team to come up and uh, minister some songs to us as we now go into the time of ministry. You might have heard this gospel mentioned a thousand times before, but I want to tell you one thing, my friend. If you're sitting here tonight and God's been planned for your life, 
if you want to respond tonight, if a chance is beating in your heart, that's a little calm. So come this time. I want you to ask you something really great. I want you to put your hand up for me. Real slow, real fast. Slip it up and put it back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I wish I was going to go over the place. I want you to come to the front. And there will be someone to pray for you. There will be someone to pray for you at the front. It's crazy. And so sometimes we expect to be able to live without the church and do it all on our own. And it's just ridiculous. The hands going up everywhere. <laughs> now the description of the church is the bride of Christ. And in Revelations 19 verse 7 to 9, it talks about one day there being a wedding feast. And it's a day that we look forward to where we are united with Jesus. He is the groom, we are the bride, we'll be prepared for that day where there's no more pains, no more sufferings, no more tears. There's just joy as we are united with Him. And we've been prepared as the church for the bride of Christ. I remember my wedding day when Kina came down the aisle with her dad and everything just stopped for me. My whole focus was just, wow, this is why I'm here today. And there were Tears all around us. Andrew City, who was um, preaching, was crying more than anyone else. He used up all my tissues. And it wasn't because of how beautiful Kino was. It was because of how beautiful the moment was. Well, this is the representation of one day how all of us are going to be united with Jesus. And we're going to be together with Him. And that's the focus of our marriages, is being together with Jesus. If your marriage is struggling, maybe it's not having that focus of being with Jesus. Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 27 talks about a pure and spotless bride. And us being prepared for that. Fine linen, righteous acts of God's people is what makes up this pure and spotless outfit. And can you imagine if um, Kina pitched up on that day and she's in a white dress and she's got a blue splotch over here? Kind of ruins the whole picture. And then she says, um, Thank you, what? It's just one part of the dress. You know, the rest of the dress is white. It's going to be fine. It's just that one section. Sometimes that's how we compromise. How we let that little bit of yeast come in, that little bit of sin. It's just that one area of my life that I'm not worried about. But Jesus sees it and it ruins the whole body of Christ. We need to be dealing with sin. We need to be dealing with those things of compromise. Sometimes we get busy with the things of church. Jesus said to one church, the one thing I hold against you is you've forgotten your first love. And so easy to do. Even in the, doing the things of church, the things that seem good, the ministry, we lose that heart and that love. I think on the wedding day, if I'd been, wow, this venue looks incredible. Everyone's dressed so nice. The flower arrangement is brilliant. Oh, hi, Kina. But have you seen the food? Like, this looks amazing. And sometimes that's what we can be like when we miss the things of what God's doing. And there was a time when we came back from having photos, and they weren't ready for us. And Kina and I just sat outside, and we had a moment, just the two of us, to just capture, this is our wedding day. This is wonderful. And I want to pray for those moments for each one of us. If you're not having those moments, are you too busy in life? Are you too busy in church? Just those reminders on spending time with God. Don't lose your first love. And so that's the church. And together we're the church. But in order for the church to be healthy, each one of us needs to be spiritually healthy. And so how do we do this? How do we become spiritually healthy? It's similar to physical health. It takes work. 
It takes commitment. It takes doing things on a daily basis. Going to bed early. Getting up, spending time with the Lord. Practical things. I spend time with God each day. Reading your Bible. Praying. Paul in Thessalonians says, we must pray without ceasing. Doesn't mean you pray at the beginning of the day and you're done for the rest of the day. You're constantly in communication with God. What are you doing, God? What are you saying? How must I react in this situation? When my boss is shouting me about something I didn't even do. We're praying. Lord, help me in this moment. In Colossians, he says, pray with thanksgiving. You stay spiritually healthy by fellowshiping with others. Worship. Going to church. Breaking bread together. Communion. Discipling others. When you're walking it out with others, you will become spiritually healthy as you're imparting something of what God's put into you. And will grow. Practice your spiritual gifts. Build your spiritual muscles. If you're struggling to do these things, start with the basics. Start with, I'm just going to spend whatever you can do. 15 minutes with you, God, this morning. And then tomorrow, 20 minutes. And then 30 minutes. Grow your spiritual muscles and it'll get easier and you'll get stronger. Be led by the Spirit. He's the Parakletos. He's been sent by Jesus to run with us. What better an encouragement to have someone when you're running a race running alongside you saying, you are doing so well, I'm with you, go this way, watch out for that rock, don't trip over that thing. We have the Holy Spirit with us to help us. Let's walk with Him, get to know Him. We can't rely on our former health. You know, I remember when I used to get up at 6 a.m. every morning and I'd go for a run each day and I was so fit and I was so healthy. But I don't do that anymore. I can't rely on that former health. I can't rely on our form of victory. You know, I used to spend time with God. I used to do these things. We need to be doing it daily and actively. Don't give up when it gets hard. You are what you eat. I've heard that said. And I believe you believe what you read. What do you put into your body spiritually? What are we watching? Who are we listening to? Who are we spending time with? Are we filling ourselves spiritually with the things of God so that we grow spiritually and we have good spiritual food? Psalm 119, verse 9 to 11 says... How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart so I might not sin against you. Hide God's word in your heart. Reference it. Apply it. Listen to what it's saying. It takes discipline, but it's so worth it. As Paul said, he beat his flesh into submission. And we need to be doing that. We need to be putting these things into practice every day. And it'll be amazing. You'll see yourself growing spiritually like never before. You all know it was much harder in BC days. I'm talking about before coffee. But even then, don't rely on other things of the world to sustain you, to fill you. Rely on Jesus. Every one of us can be in good spiritual health. We're not spiritually healthy because we're a leader, but because we've got so far down the line. Today, we can all be spiritually healthy. We need to do a spiritual audit. Once a year, Discovery comes to our offices. And they do our medical check and they see how's your cholesterol, how's your blood pressure, how all these other things. And then from that, they give us advice as to how healthy you are. Do we do that with ourselves spiritually? A lot of us have these fitness watches where we closely monitor how many steps that I do today. You get a little shock if you get 10,000 steps and you um, are monitoring how am I doing physically. Are we doing that spiritually? What's the state of your heart? How many spiritual steps did you take today? Are you still running spiritually? Ask for input. Go to your leaders or your elders or the deacon and say, please audit me. Audit my family. Audit my parenting. Audit my work attitude. Let me know how am I doing spiritually. And then listen to what they say and take their advice, even though it might be hard. You go to the doctor and say, you're not doing so well physically. Your appendix is right at risk. We're going to have to cut it out. You're like, 
Then uh, I like your opinion, I like second opinion, but another doctor's like, your, your clinic survivor, you've got to cut it out like now. And you're like, it feels quite legalistic when you tell me what to do, doc. Like, I'm sure I'm comfortable with this. But then when the leader says, I think there's sin in your life and you've got to cut it out, do we do that? Do we listen to them and say, yes, I want to follow you, so I want to be spiritually healthy. So what are some signs of being spiritually healthy? Healthy things grow. If you're growing your walk with God, you're growing in your relationships, you should be seeing a growth in your life as you're being spiritually healthy. Healthy things bear fruit. And by fruit, I mean the evidence of God in our lives. How do we react in situations? Do we have the fruits of joy, peace, love, gifts of the Spirit? Are all these things evidence in our lives? Or are we constantly shouting at our dogs or our cats as we struggle with life because we don't, we're not spiritually healthy? It's important to have fruit in your life. Jesus cursed the fig tree for not having fruit, said no one will eat of your tree because you're not bearing fruit. It's important we're bearing fruit. I remember we're trying to grow some uh, fruit in our backyard. I'm not yet a farmer, but I'm learning as we go. And we bought a blueberry bush, and it was super fruitful. I was like, this is easy. I mean, we're going to be millionaires. Like, look at all these, like, blueberries that are coming. About 30 or 40 blueberries on that first uh, bush that we bought. And then one day, it suddenly just stopped. No more blueberries. And I was really bummed. I was like, what's going on? So I did my research, and I moved it from the sun to the shade, and I watered it every day, and I gave it plant food. And I realized I needed the acidic soil conditions, so I got some sulfur, and I put it on there and mixed it up, and everything was perfect, and yet this bush was still not bearing fruit. And then one day my daughter Karen came walking in, and she had this blue stain around her lips. <laughs> and I realized she'd be going and picking up all the blueberries and eating them. Which is great, it was being used. But the point is, that blueberry bush would have no value to me if it wasn't bearing fruit. And we want to count in this kingdom. We want to be bearing fruit so we can use, so others can eat of us. Being healthy brings change. When do you last challenge yourself? Be changed by God. Be different. Or let others challenge you to change. By the end of this year, I'm trusting each one of us will change. Each one of us will be completely different from when we sat right here today. For the good. So what are the things that cause us to be spiritually unhealthy? If we let unforgiveness in, brokenness, things from the past that come and hold back our spiritual health. You know that joke about the guy who goes to the doctor and he says, Doc, and he sees you urgently, I'm really, really sick. Something is very wrong. Every part of my body hurts. And the doctor's like, okay, well, sounds serious. Like, show me. He says, okay, so if I, if I push on this part of my leg, really painful. If I push on my stomach, it's, it's super painful. On my shoulder, push on my arm, everywhere hurts. The doctor looks at this and says, you know what the problem is? I've got a broken finger. It's a silly joke, but there is truth in it. When we come into the church broken, everything we touch appears broken to us. Everything we touch causes us pain, not because the church is broken, but because we are broken. And God wants to bring each one of us into that spiritual health of being fully healthy in them. And the church is not perfect. People make mistakes. It's much easier when you're in fullness. And so when people speak into life and they want to restore you, God wants to bring you into you and let them. Because your experience of church will be completely different. Are you carrying an injury where you've been hurt from the past or a limb? These people hurt me. My previous church leadership hurt me. God let me down. God disappointed me. 
And God's trying to heal that wound. And we're just not letting him. We're not forgiving. We're not leaving the best. We're not taking the picture of the vision God has for us for growing into more and saying, God, I want that more than I want to hold this wound. And if you're carrying a wound of rejection or offense or whatever it is, let that thing go today. It's stopping you growing into everything he has. I know for myself, through growing up, there are wounds of rejection that are still there, but they don't hold me back. But I know they're there because when something happens, I respond like, oh, that hurts. I feel rejected. And I let it go. Because we don't let these things grow in us. We let these things go. Some of the other things that can hold us back from being spiritually healthy, self, wealth, being on the shelf, couldn't think of any more else, so... Talk about self now, but wealth is a big one. We chase wealth sometimes at the expense of our spiritual growth. I don't have time to spend with my family, I don't have time to pray. I'm so busy with work, I'm so busy with things. Are we chasing wealth to the extent that we are missing out on our spiritual health? Luke spoke a few weeks ago about the jars with the big rocks. And if you put his kingdom first and the big rocks in place, everything else will follow. Let that stress of work and building up wealth be replaced by a love for God. And enjoy the expectation of what he's going to do. Don't get stuck on the shelf thinking I'll never be used. Put yourself out there. Sign up for the worship team. Sign up for Kids Church. Sign up for all these areas that you can be used. Give for yourself. Be mature. Be the bigger person. Self. When we go to the shops, you've been waiting for a parking bay, and someone just comes in and takes it. And you respond, you know. <laughs> He said, he took my parking bay. I've been waiting five minutes for that parking bay and he just took it. Is one way that we can respond. Or we can say, you know what? I gave you that parking bay. <laughs> I blessed you for that parking bay. You might be having a terrible day that caused you to shoot in there when you knew I was waiting. And you know what? Let me help you have a better day by giving you my parking bay. In fact, I'm going to park further away. So someone else can get another bay and I can walk further and become fitter and have more steps and spend more time with Jesus instead of rushing to the next thing and be the bigger person and enjoy life. If we change our perspective, we can change your whole world. Let's stop thinking about ourselves. It's going to kill you spiritually. Stop it. <laughs> Someone sitting in my seat at church. We don't have seats of honor here. Just like we don't have pastors parking. We don't allocate special places to special people. Luke 14 says, don't take the seat of honor. I read about a story about a church in Pennsylvania. Someone was sitting in someone's seat, they wouldn't move. The guy shot him. There was a massive church fight and he shot the person for staying in the seat. What is the state of someone's spiritual health? There's someone sitting in your seat you shoot them. It's in your mood, <laughs> Can you imagine if you ask that guy to bring to a bring and share what his reaction would be? You must let the self thing die before it consumes us and it kills us. It makes me think of what uh, Christian Goldilocks would look like. She gets home and says, Mom, Dad, someone's eaten all my porridge and it was just right. And like Goldilocks is called a bring and share. There's more than enough food, you will be fine. Someone's sitting in my chair and they broke it. We'll buy you a new chair, Goldilocks. It'll be okay. Someone is lying in my bed and they're still there. It's Brad Rayner and it's 412 and we're hosting. 
We've got a shift from a position of Goldilocks, wanting everything for ourselves, to putting others first. It says, love God, love people. Are we loving people? By the way, it's a bring and share. It's not a take and share. If you come to someone's house and you haven't brought something, go back out and get something. It could be something small. The lady who only had the two mites to bring, she gave everything she had, and that's what Jesus noticed. She didn't notice those that have lots and many bringing it. She noticed those that had little bringing it. Bring, contribute. We're part of the body. Your seat in church is a seat in heaven. Think about that. Blank page, obviously open for the Holy Spirit. (laughs) We're one body. I love the word of God. It's got such a great sense of humor to it. There's another aspect when talking Corinthians about if you think you're a hand, you're not an eye, don't do this, don't do that. And we are one body. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 14, says there is one body, the body of Christ, us, together. It has many parts. Each one of us is a part. Each one of us is valuable. But all its many parts make up one body. It's the same as Christ. We are all baptized by one Holy Spirit. And so we're formed into one body. It didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. It doesn't matter what culture you come from. What your background is, we're one body together. We're all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not just made up of one part, it has many parts. Andrew said he leads our church, his wife, NC has terrible kidney conditions. She was born with, I think, well, it ended up being five of her. And she only had about 25, most of her life, 25% of the use of one kidney. It resulted in um, issues she had to have with little toe amputated. It's just her little toe. It doesn't seem important. She said her whole balance was off because of that little toe. She couldn't walk properly. She couldn't run and do the things she used to do because that one toe missing. You might be a little toe in the kingdom of God, but your role is critical. Don't think you're honest on a Sunday. Don't think we don't think of you. When we get hold of you and say, where are you? It's not to be all you know. Checking the list. It's you need to add to the body of Christ. You need to become spiritually mature and spiritually healthy. And you can only do that when you're together. Know your place in church. Can you imagine if this little finger, Peter Pointer, decides, I'm the most important part of the body. If it wasn't for me, who would point? Who would point out all your errors and mistakes? Who would ask questions? Who would tap on the keyboard? Who would push the doorbell? Pinky? I don't think so. Peter Pointer, I'm the most important. So therefore, I need all the attention. I need all the food. I need all the love. So I can grow. Bigger and bigger and bigger and fatter and fatter and fatter. Is that not how we sometimes think? And then Peter Pointer gets so big and fat and the body withers and the body suffers because all the attention is going to Peter Pointer. Ultimately, he's just a big fat finger like trying to drag along the shriveled body behind it because it's all about him. He's so fat he pushes 10 keys at once as he's trying to tap on the keyboard and he's of no use. We only take what we need for our spiritual growth and for us to serve the body and we don't take beyond that we have to kill selfishness we have to make it about others Acts 2 verse 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer everyone was filled with awe the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles all of the believers were together and had everything in common. Even though they came from different backgrounds, they had everything in common. 
It was like worship this morning. Just a sense that we're here united with one purpose. Together. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. By show of hands, who's willing to sell their car right now and just give it away for someone who has needs? <laughs> I know the condition of your car, but it's good. <laughs> We've had guys in church when they were building our first building, selling homes. They sold their house and they gave everything so that the church building could be made. So if we continue with that, we give into a bit. Every day, they continue to meet together in the temple. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with gladness and sincere hearts. And it goes on to say, and no one had need. We give of ourselves until it hurts. We give of our time, we give of our love, we give of our money. So that if one part of the body is suffering, we build up the body. I mentioned Andrew said his wife, who had um, kidney issues, Andrew's brother-in-law put up his hand and said, I'm going to give a kidney, and he was a match. And a great cost to himself. He no longer do some of the sports he used to do. He gave up his kidney so that she could come into health. And isn't that a wonderful picture of ourselves? Are we willing to give up of ourselves so that the rest of the body can come into health? I would love to see that picture. If you were to think right now, instead of what can I get, what can I give so the rest of the body can come into health? A healthy church prays together, worships together, loves one another, encourages and gives of themselves. This is what healthy church looks like. When we um, were in City Bowl, probably about 12 years ago, there was a boy who had uh, kidney failure, both kidneys. And so Ryan put it out there and he said, absolutely no pressure. If you want to give your kidney for this boy, come let me know. At least three people came and said, we'll give him our kidney, or my kidney, so that he can come into health. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what God's church is? It doesn't always have to be kidneys, it can be other things. <laughs> but what are we giving for ourselves? And so as I come into land, I'm trusting that this will be a breakthrough year for every single person here. I've got such a faith for each one of you to break into everything God has for you. In the workplace, you'll find the favor of God. That promotion will come. Your relationships will just be wonderful. They'll be so fruitful. It's going along the lines of prosperity teaching, but it's not. He wants to bless you in so many areas, but He wants you first to be spiritually healthy. We need to die to ourselves and we kill those things that make us selfish. And as we give, we're going to get healthier. We're going to get stronger. And it's going to get easier and easier. And our church is going to impact nations. When people are staying with us, their lives are going to be changed with how selfish we are. When we go to the nations, there's going to be such fruitfulness, as we've seen already. I think City Bowl is in a great state of spiritual health. But there are aspects that need to change them. Like that little splotch on the, on the bride. What are those things in your life that wants to change? He wants to grow you into more. I'd love, us to, I'd love to see us come into abundant life this year. Maybe Lawrence and the worship team can come up. John 10 verse 10. The thief comes to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have life in abundance. Do you believe it? Do you believe that this is your year? You're going to break through. There's so much more. This year, your dreams will become a reality. This year, God will restore lost things. This year, God will break you into more. This year, you will discover joy. 
if this year be your year. Amen? Listen, let's pray.